Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Hello and welcome to this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. I'm your host, John Davis, alongside several guests. We'll talk about them here in a second. We're filling in for your friend and ours, Bart Sheridan. With us this week on the podcast is, pa- is Pastor Tim Cockrell, here to discuss the most recent sermon from 1 Peter 2, 9-12, through 12, as well as a few other things that we have uh, been curious about in our study of 1 Peter. So friends, welcome. Glad you're here. Thanks so much, John. Yeah. All right, Tim, we've spent the first few weeks of this new year in 1 Peter. Remind us of the context of what's occurring here and how we've arrived at this passage this week. Absolutely. So if we go back all the way to chapter 1, Peter starts off by talking to his audience, likely a Gentile audience, and calling them elect exiles. And he roots them in this identity as those who have been chosen by God and therefore are marginalized by the world. And that kind of rooting them in that proper identity then leads them to the imperatives. In light of who you are, here's what you're to do. You're to be holy because God is holy. You're to be hope-filled because you've been born again to a living hope. But not just in our relationship with God, but also with our relationship with others, that we are to love one another. We are to be growing and longing for the pure spiritual milk of the word. And then that brings us to verse 4 of chapter 2 that talks about our identity corporately. That, that we are being built up into a spiritual house, that we are being indwelt by the Spirit, that we might grow in God, to give God's glory as, as we grow together. And so th- verses 9 through 12 really flow directly from that. In light of who we are as the church, mm. what then is our mission? And he uses a lot of rich Old Testament allusion and quotation, and then really directs us to how we relate to the outside world in light of our witness. Yeah, so that brings us to this week then, right? And the spotlight uh, that Pastor Josh placed on the Word, and he called it the Church's Calling. Mm -hmm. So Pastor Josh brought us the teaching of the Word this week, and he was reminding us that who we are transforms how we live so that the world may know who God is. All right, unpack that a little bit for us. Absolutely. Well, first of all, let me just say, I thought Josh did such a great job. I so appreciate his teaching. One of the things about being a student ministries pastor is that he so faithfully labors in the preaching of the word, but most of us don't get to hear it on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Some of our kids do, but uh, for our congregation to be able to be blessed through his teaching ministry, I just want to express my appreciation and affirmation of, Mm -hmm. of the work that he has done and the work that God is doing in him. We're just so grateful for him. So I I thought his big idea was so clear that it really has three elements that first of all, who we are, that we have to be rooted in this gospel identity. That's a thread that Peter is going to draw all throughout, and he's going to keep coming back to it because it can be easy to lose sight of it. We can have kind of gospel amnesia, to use a Tim Keller type of phrase. And then we're going to be changing the way we live in light of who we are. So we had said that the indicatives of God's word flow from the imperatives, that what we are called to do is in light of what God has already done. And so it begins to change the way that we live, changes the priorities that we have, changes the way that we interact with one another. But then the the final part of that big idea is so the world may know who God is, that as we encounter his presence, we are transformed by it to look like him so that we mediate his presence and that we have a missional purpose. And that's not just to be nice people, not just to be polite people, but to be 
gospel-saturated people Mm -hmm. so that when we experience hardship or persecution, disappointment or suffering, that what flows from us is the fruit of the Spirit as a result of what's going on inside of us. Mm -hmm. And so I think all three of these elements are clearly in our text and are important to kind of hold in tension. Mm -hmm. Okay, then. So he, he, being Pastor Josh, used two words to convey the idea of our calling as a church. The first he used was the idea of embracing, and the second was the idea of embodying. Those are the two words he used, embrace mm-hmm. and embody. What is it about these words that you believe conveys well the role that we're supposed to play in the body of Christ? Right. Well, when we use this word embrace, yeah. that's not something that we're called to do. It's something we're mm. called to believe. It's something that we know and trust wholeheartedly. And so this, again, is pointing us back to what's the source of our identity? And if we're honest, there are so many things that we are prone to find our identity in, the, the opinion of others or our performance or, or how we look or, or the successes or the failures of the previous day. But it pushes us away from those counterfeits and says, embrace the truth of the gospel, of who you are, not just individually, but corporately. That we are to be a a royal priesthood. We are to be a holy nation. We are called by God to live for God. Mm. And that that's going to orient everything that we do. And so then embody is the outworking of that internal identity. It's saying in light of this, I'm going to change the way I think and change the way I interact, change the way I even interface with government as we're going to look at next week. And so those two pieces are kind of what we believe and then what we do flows out of that. Okay, so we have talked about, is probably in our ABF as I thought about this, was writing this question down, mm-hmm. but we talked about the idea that Peter is using the word you, Y-O-U here, in more of the uh, plural form. Mm-hmm. Is there something significant about that, that he's doing that as opposed to like a, a more personal you? I think there is, especially in light of the fact that he's using a lot of Israel language here. Mm -hmm. We as Americans are prone to be individualistic, autonomous, and independent. Like we think about my relationship with God is just me and him. And maybe I'll come to church and be kind of loosely affiliated with other believers, but that God has built us into a spiritual house as living stones, that we are interdependent and interconnected. And in the same way, God called Israel as his people. And even Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you, you all are the salt of the earth. You all are the light of the world. And that just as a city on the hill cannot be hidden, so we are to let our light shine. And so the idea of a city on a hill is not just a single lighthouse, Mm -hmm. but of a thousand points of light that are unmistakable in the distance. And, And so I think it just is reiterating the emphasis on the corporate nature of our salvation that we have been saved into a body, into a spiritual house, and that if we try to live the Christian life in isolation, mm-hmm. it's dangerous for us, and honestly, it's dangerous for the church. Yeah, right. All right, so I mentioned I brought a guest with me, like I like to do when I come, because you know I need, I, need I need somebody who's better at this than I am, and so I brought along uh, Jake. Jake, welcome. I saw you over there Hi, in the Pops. corner, and uh, you were saying, I want to talk, I want to talk. You're so I, I, glad you're doing you're doing great. So Jake, <laughs> welcome. You're not only uh, studying in college some business and theology, but you also have the honor of being my wife's son and my own personal plumber. The first part of that's the important part. No, that's right. right. <laughs> the greatest joy is that you are my son, and I'm glad that uh, you're hanging out with us this Thanks, afternoon. Dad. Okay, so you and I were talking last night about some thoughts that you had about this week's passage and some questions that you wanted to ask. Yeah, uh, can, this can I ask a quick? Dialogue question based on what we were oh, just talking you about. You want to go backward? Yeah, yeah we, we so can I, absolutely go backward. Go I, I was like, hey, I got a question. Yeah. Um, so, talking about 
the idea of embracing and embodying. Mm-hmm. When I hear embracing, I sometimes don't think legalism. Because when thinking about embracing, there's this idea of love. There's mm-hmm. this idea of care. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we either focus one way or the other. Can you maybe think about how embracing compares and contrasts with the idea of following and how those ideas are important together? Right. Yes, absolutely. I do think that those two are, if you emphasize one over the other, you're going to be unbalanced. So I think Jesus brings this out so beautifully in the Sermon on the Mount, because so much of what the Pharisees and the religious leaders were doing, where they were doing a lot of good things, you know, they were praying and fasting and giving and um, doing those types of things. But he points out that their heart is really far from him. Mm-hmm. And and the, the, the essential qualification of a kingdom citizen was a transformed heart. Mm-hmm. And so if we are trying to embody what it is to be God's people without experiencing the transformation that happens as a result of embracing the gospel, then I think that's when we go down a path of legalism. Mm-hmm. Then I think that's when we are looking at, am I doing all the right things? Am I you know, checking all the boxes? Mm-hmm. But if it is rooted in relationship and we are clinging to these gospel truths as our only source of hope, as our only source of sufficiency and significance that then the obedience that flows from it is not out of guilt or fear or shame, but out of grace Mm -hmm. and gratitude. And that is the fuel that is going to fuel the Christian life. Like if if it's born out of guilt, we can only do that for so long before we eventually burn out or get Mm -hmm. kind of cynical or jaded. But I think that's the, the tension that we feel is, is we have to maintain both rather than an either or one of the beautiful tensions in scripture. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So in our passage in first uh, Peter, I always want to call it second Peter In first <laughs> Peter, first Peter two, there's a lot of old Testament references. Mm-hmm. So pastor Josh brought up the reference to Exodus mm-hmm. uh, reference to Isaiah. There was another one that is in there as well. This reference to Hosea, Hosea one and two, mm-hmm. the idea of Hosea calling his children, not my people and no mercy is this illustration of how God would relate to Israel. Mm-hmm. Like we've talked about, how does that and the idea of us being now called the children of God contrast the statement from um, the sermon from last week that some are destined to stumble? How does that idea of destined to stumble and us chosen, how do those go together? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that touches on the idea of God's sovereignty and human responsibility, which, you know, is kind of an, an unfathomed depth, but... I think the key thing is to go back to Hosea. As God has Hosea name his children, those names mm-hmm. are, are rich with theological significance. And, and the idea there being that God's people who have been called into a covenant with him have forsaken that covenant mm-hmm. and were prone to idolatry. And so I think in some ways he's bringing this up in, in verse 10 to remind them Every one of us were wayward. Mm. Every one of us were rebels and idolaters. And so our identity is not based on our merit or our ability, our morality, or our godliness. Our identity is rooted in the fact that God has chosen us. Mm. And by his grace and through his work, he has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so when we think about the fact that in verse 8 that those who disobey the word are destined for eternal destruction, 
That shouldn't lead us to this kind of prideful triumphalism, but how to lead us to a sense of wonder and amazement that God in his grace has chosen us, has called us, and transformed us. And again, that then fuels us to say, how then should I live? What would it look like for me to reflect my gratitude for his grace and to reflect then his character to those that I would interact with? Yeah. Awesome. And then another question I had is, so Pastor Tim or Pastor Josh talked about this. He referenced uh, Exodus and talking about uh, chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, Mm -hmm. going back to the uh, Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. And then later on in our passage in verse 11, it just says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. So there's this tension in the passage of being a sojourner and yet being a select priest. Maybe explain those ideas. And then how do they also keep intention? Right. Yep. So I think one of the things that's really interesting is in Exodus 19, when God mm-hmm. calls Israel, he says that you are going to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And in other words, they are going to mediate his presence to the world. And then he goes on to give the Ten Commandments as well as a number of other laws in the Mosaic Law. And in the Old Testament, we see that the way that Israel was a light to the nations was that the nations would come and see. So even where Israel is situated, related to the rest of the ancient Near East, they were at the crossroads of Mm -hmm. the key civilizations, such that people would constantly be coming into contact with them because God was bringing the nations to intersect with them. And that when they would do so, they would see the temple, they would see the way that they would dress and eat and all those things and say, there's something distinctive about these people. But you see, the thing that's different then in the New Covenant is rather than God's plan being that they would come and see, it's that we as priests would go and tell. Mm-hmm. That we would be be scattered as exiles. Such that even in Acts chapter 1, he says, you're going to be my witnesses, not just here in Jerusalem, but in Judea and to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so I think what he's trying to do here is to help them to see your priestly function is just the same as the priests of the Old Testament. Because priests were simply mediators. They would come into God's presence and then go convey God's presence to the people. And so as we are transformed by being in God's presence, we are then mediating his character. Mm -hmm. We are rightly related to God and therefore rightly representing him to others. But that we don't do that kind of cloistered in the church. We do that as those who have been dispersed, as exiles. And that's going to often result in discomfort. In you know mistreatment even and marginalization, but that that's when it's essential for us to make sure we're responding to that persecution, not with kind of hate and bitterness and retaliation, but with the same character that God has shown to us of grace and mercy and patience. And so that's where I kind of see those two things that we are still mediating God's presence, but in a way that we are are scattered among the nations that they might see His glory and by God's grace give glory to our Father who's in heaven. Yeah, and just like Peter says here, it's like he wants you to be sojourned in exiles and thus keeping your conduct honorable among the Gentiles so that you have that good witness, so that you can still have that opportunity to be a priest to the nations and not disqualify yourself by your conduct. Absolutely. Yeah, we're ambassadors of another kingdom, mm-hmm. you know, living in this kingdom, and that creates some unique opportunities and some distinctive challenges for sure. Mm-hmm. 
some of the beautiful tensions of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm learning something new about you, and what you're describing is actually where most of us wrestle, and that's those tensions in Scripture, right? And that's right. And I'm I'm glad you raised those. And Tim, thank you for helping us think through those rightly and well. Mm. Okay, so as we think about further study in First Peter, can you just give us a sneak peek, Tim, as to where we're headed and what we should be perhaps even studying and thinking about mm-hmm. in preparation for sitting under the, the preaching of the Word? Yes. So Pastor Josh alluded to, and he's exactly right, that we kind of hit a hinge in the book when pas- in his passage, where we move now from, from the identity and the commands to some, some more specific practical outworking. So how do we keep our conduct pure? How do we live in this way in a watching world? And so he's going to use a word that it's kind of a dirty word in our world, and that is submission. Uh, he's going to use this over and over again, being submissive to our governing authorities, being submissive slaves, being submissive to masters, wives being submissive to their husbands, and even believers being submissive to one another. And I think as much as the word submission gets kind of a bad rap, ultimately all submission is, is rather than asserting my rights, I'm surrendering them. Mm-hmm. Rather than, than fighting for my way, I'm putting myself under God's way. And that means I may disagree with the governing authorities. That may mean that, that I struggle in tension with my spouse at times, mm-hmm. but that ultimately I am submitting to the structures that God has put in place not because those people are so perfect, but because we trust that God's plan is so good. And, and so we're going to spend the next several weeks talking about what does submission look like? What are the limits of that submission? But what does the pattern look like in our life? Hmm. Amen. Thank you. Thank you also for your shepherding of us as a, as a body here at Grace. Thank you for your faithfulness to the Word. Hmm. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, Appreciate thanks so that. much. Hey, Jake, would you uh, be willing to finish us out in Ephesians uh, 2, 1 through 10? Yeah, sure. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world and following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works." which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Mm, amen. Friends, it's been great to be back with you. Jake, thank you. Mm-hmm. It's been good to be back with Pastor Tim as well for this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. We have been discussing his recent, not his recent sermon, the recent sermon by Pastor Josh from 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. And we're thankful that uh, Pastor Josh unpacked that for us this week. Well, friends, you can access Grace's sermons and podcast episodes on demand by visiting gracecedarville.org, gracecedarville.org, and by clicking on the media tab once you're there. We also encourage you to share your questions and even comments with us each week by emailing them to contact at gracecedarville.org. That's contact at gracecedarville.org. Plan to join us for the next installment of Digging Deeper in Grace. Thank you again for tuning in to this week's episode. God bless and keep growing in grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. 
Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.